0: Good evening. Thank you for joining me again. I'm Dr. George Ann and this is The Journey Through Into Awareness. So why is this journey so important, and why is it important to me? And why did I say yes to this radio show? I want to pass on to you... The psychological mystic, mystical meaning of the work and teachings of Jesus, because they are truth, and the Bible is really the most important text written, but it is not read correctly, and it is not interpreted correctly. So I want to try to help you with that, because as we dig deeper into Scripture and certainly into the Gospels, we get to see that what Jesus was talking about is really quite profound. And it was the psychological concepts and content that we now call psychoanalysis, psychotherapy, mindfulness, because Jesus certainly did come to bring us uh, a new level of consciousness. And he did that very well. Whether or not we answer that call is certainly up to us. So Jesus spoke about the importance of the development of our soul and how important this is and why it's important. And again, you know, when organized religion talks about sin, I so dislike that word. It's about missing the mark. It's about not getting it right. And none of us do, but it's not about going to hell or anything like that. It's about we create our own hell here by our choices and by the way we create our realities, which is some of what I want to talk about tonight. So why bother doing this journey? Why bother doing our inner work? Why bother looking to understand the scriptures? because when we don't we're not living our own life we are clearly not living our own life and we are clearly and will never receive the fullness of life that we are promised and we we will look at that and if you you know hang with me for the sessions that we're together the episodes of my show i think it's going to be made clear to you at least that's my hope and my prayer Um, you know, and I certainly know that it is God's for you also. So, for instance, um, in the Gospel of Luke 5, verse 4, Jesus climbs into Peter's boat. Peter was just fishing all night long, and he just came back in, and Jesus is in his boat. And Jesus says to him, push out into the deeper waters, You've been around the shoreline, close to the shore, all night long. You can catch anything. Go out into deeper waters. In scripture, waters means life. Now, Jesus is inviting him to go out into the deeper parts of yourselves in life, go out into the most important, deeper aspects of yourself in life. He says, cast your nets. In the original Greek text, if we look at that, nets and cast is called to look around. It means look around. So Jesus is saying, go out into the deeper waters of your inner world and look around and see what you can catch. See what's going on there. We're called to insight, insight, if we really look at that. We're called to be open-minded, expansive, not small-minded. You know, God calls each of us, creates each of us with a specific, distinct purpose in mind. And in that purpose, we will find the fullness of life for each of us uniquely and individually. And... Each individual that each of us is, is a piece of the Christ, of the creator, making up, quote, the body of Christ. Those of us that are listening that are Catholic or Christian, we uh, know from our faith that we speak of the body of Christ. And it speaks of that the hand can't live without the leg, uh, the, the uh, arm or the wrist and the foot can't be without the leg. Um, and so it is with us. But also, our full consciousness, our full mindfulness cannot live without us recognizing the presence of the subconscious and the unconscious and what it speaks to us. There's a big difference between, quote, therapy and psychoanalysis that I find certainly I can only speak from my training and my colleagues that I am not looking to give you or my patients answers. It's not about that or, or, or tools, so to speak of ways to deal with um, yourself. I look to help my patient and help you to discover within yourself, in your depths, what is going on. And we do that by me paying attention to everything that is said to me. By the way, um, I misquoted in the last show. I said that, and I wanna clear that up. I said that the word was made flesh The word was with God and the word was made flesh. And that, in fact, um, is uh, is said, but it's not said in Genesis. It is said in John 1, 6 through 18, that it's spoken about that the word was made flesh. So I just wanted to clear that up. Okay, Um, so. One of the most important uh, pieces of I find in the Bible, if you wanted to start reading, would be the Sermon on the Mount, because everything is is in there. It's an incredible teaching of uh, Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible is one of the most important collections of mysticism ever written. And it's a shame because most people never read it. Um, It's not meant to be read. Um, You know, from cover to cover. It's not about that. But um, it really brings into awareness the fabric of our humanity and the fabric of our divinity. Because we both, we all have both in us. And it's our true and false self, which we're going to look at. You know, our true self is given to us by God. Our false self is like this tiny little flame flickering that we looked at last week, that we created sort of as the mechanical self. When When we pay attention to our mindfulness when we can learn what that is and learn to pay attention to it as it's chattering away, you know, the Buddhists call it the monkey mind because the thoughts swing from one branch to another. It really sets, we have more control. I hate that word. We have more ability to choose in our life And then everything else in our life sort of falls into place. So we looked at last week, the stages of development, zero to seven, what happens? The child being a sponge, it takes everything in that it was brought up around, um, emulating mommy, daddy, elders, siblings, um, takes in conversations it heard, contexts of behaviors, um, ways parents and siblings and people in the home act, how people at school going uh, act. And the child takes all of this on as truth, as a way to be. And a child is called, a parent is called to help a child develop its uniqueness its unique self, but I don't know about you, but I don't find many times, and again, no criticism to the parents, none of us know how to parent well, we all make mistakes with our children, but we're called to help a child become, develop the unique place in them, the uniqueness of who they are, who they were meant to be, how a child is spoken to, how it was made to feel about it. him herself uh, is carried with the child into adulthood all its days. And we looked at that. So parents uh, that encourage their uh, child to develop well, to think for itself, to encourage its thought, to not make it feel wrong and shame and blamed when it makes a mistake in thinking for the self, um, will do very, very well with the child. But most of us were not brought up this way. Many times this doesn't happen. And like we looked at last week, a child will always look to feel loved and accepted by the family. So whatever the child, wherever the child got acknowledgement, even if it sacrificed parts of itself, it will move towards to feel a part of the family, to feel loved. We come from love. We come from God. So love is what we are. Love is really all we know. And a child will do whatever it can do to feel loved and accepted by the entire family. So maybe you can ask yourself this question if you haven't already. You know, where does my child's or where does my Opinions come from, where do my views and attitudes come from, where do my child's attitudes and opinions come from, and where do they come from now as an adult, where do they come from as an adult, as an adult, where do our opinions, our judgments, our outlook on life come from, what is our sense of self. Where does it come from? What do we remember about the way we were made to feel about ourselves growing up? How does a child grown into adult develop a healthy sense of self? And even more important than what happened, what's important is how it made whatever went on in the family, how you were made to feel. As the child, now grown adult, experienced what went on in that home. So we're going to take a one minute break. um, And I want to give some examples um, when we come back. So thank you for your attention. Thank you. You're
1: listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day.
2: Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc
3: you listeners looking to boost your business why not advertise on talk radio nyc with very reasonable rates interested simply send us a message on our website talkradio.nyc
0: Welcome back to A Journey Through. I'm Dr. George Anda. So I want to give some examples of what I was just talking about, about how a child develops a sense of self and what happens um, in the house, in the environment that the child was brought up in, and now as adults, how it affects us still. So there was a great example of a, an overweight woman who is the mother of a little girl. And the mother asks the child if she'd like some cookies. And the child does not look like she has a weight problem. She's about eight years old. So the child, of course, smiles, very excited, right? We all love cookies. And the mother goes in and gets a whole plate of cookies. There are many, many cookies on this plate, large size plate, like a dinner plate, and it's full. And she comes and she brings it and puts it down in front of the child and smiles and the child smiles, very excited, and the mother leaves the room. So the child sits there, of course, and the child is eating all the cookies. And the mother comes in and the child is smiling and the mother looks at the child with a very stern face and says, you greedy little toot. And you see the child's face go to a complete upset and shame. It doesn't take much for a child to be hurt, to lose its sense of self. A child doesn't have the tools yet. When I say pre talking, I'm talking about a child not having the experience. Child doesn't have the experience or the tools yet to recognize that mother and father are struggling, having a bad day, not doing the right thing. And again, no blame to parent. We're just looking at how it makes a child feel. So now this is a mother that obviously has, this isn't a one-time occurrence. A mother will bring a child up in what we're looking at here. That will go on. How we do one thing is how we do everything. It's not a one-time occurrence. So that child will experience this type of uh, behavior from mother towards itself. A lifetime of that, the child will most likely grow up with shame not feeling so great about herself. Now, if a child is a grandparent or an aunt that can show her the other side of something like that, that's great, that really is very helpful. That's why historically people always did better when there was a big family or a tribe. You know, It's great, Native American Indians. They would raise a family as a tribe, which is just so great. But we don't have that anymore in our society. And we've lost a lot of ritualism, which is so important in helping our young people, our children, to grow into healthy adults. Um, and I'm, I'm going to have a guest on in, in two weeks. Um, and he is uh, very much involved with the men's group, where they deal with Uh, male development and ritualism and why that's important in our world and society today. So that'll be a very interesting um, show. Um, You know, by the way, Michelangelo was told by his father that nothing good comes out of working with your hands. Thank God he didn't listen to him, right? Thank God Michelangelo thought for himself. He must have had a mother that helped him. It's really something. I have a patient who really struggled with his relationship with his father. His father was incredibly mean, um, ridiculed him, made him wrong for everything, no matter what the little boy did, um, was never good enough for daddy. And he tried to have a relationship with his father, but it really was very difficult. So my patient was now in his late thirties and the father became very ill and was in the hospital. And my patient wanted to discuss with me what it would be like to sort of try to make amends and it sounds like that was important to him and that's what he wanted and that was great. So we worked out Talked about what that would look like, and I helped him with that. And he came back a week later and um, to report that he went into the hospital room, and his father was really on his deathbed. And he spoke to his dad and told his father that he was, loved him and that he really had always wanted a better relationship with him. And that he really believed that his father tried to be a good father. And his father started yelling. I don't know what you're talking about. All you did was continually flush your toys down the toilet. You created more plumbing problems for your mother and I. Do you know how many times I had a call to call the plumber? You can't believe. This is on this man's deathbed. So my patient left that room free because he got to face what was inside of him, his woundedness, and he got to see finally that his perception was correct. He really did try to have a good relationship with his father and if his father was not capable. And his father probably did a better job than what he received. You see, we will pass on how we were treated. However we were treated in our family, we will pass on. We will either bring people into our lives that let us treat them that way, or we will bring people in our lives that treat us that way, one or the other. But either way, it's going to be repeated. Without question. Why? Because this lives inside of us in our unconscious. And what lives in our unconscious is always looking to be healed. It's like a person that we put in the basement. That's banging on the door and wants to get out. It wants to be healed. Any part of us that was ridiculed shamed or blamed as a child, we've created ways as a child to deal with that, to fend against that. So we didn't have to feel that wound. So many times we transfer onto people that which we don't wanna feel. I have a patient who, mother and father got divorced when he was young The mother had him feel very responsible to care for her. She was made to feel very responsible to care for her mother. So, of course, she repeated that, but with her son, she only has the son. And to this day, he's working it through, he's doing better and better. But to this day, he feels responsible to take care of everybody, to be a caregiver. You know, in order for us to work anything through, we have to see what's living in us. This is the piece that it seems that no one wants to do. No one wants to see the disorder that lives in us because we have to face some painful occurrences. We have to face some things that inside of us that we were made to not feel good about even if they were not true. So I think I mentioned in one of the shows that I was brought up to feel that I was stupid. I mean, who wants to look at that? I felt that way. But I had to look at that for me to work it through with all of my tears and upset and sadness to experience that that was not true. But it doesn't just go away by itself. You know, some of the most... Well-marketed books that sell are self-help books. You can read every self-help book on the planet. Until we engage in the inner work and really get down to the core of what's inside of us and what we tell ourselves, nothing's going to change. And that's why I love scripture, because it shows us that. Jesus didn't just teach it. He lived it. You know, my passion is the psychological commentaries on the Gospels, right? So, again, whatever we were brought up around becomes our beliefs about ourselves, others, and life. And I'd like to mention again, that's how prejudice starts. So many people that I work with when it comes up that they might experience prejudiced feelings. When we really break it down and look at it, it was just that they were brought up around that. They're not really prejudiced. They don't really even know where these feelings came from, but we have to expose them for them to look at it, to get a grasp on why they're feeling like this so that it can be worked through. This is why it's a journey through. We need to go through, sort through what's inside of us, the dialogue we tell ourselves, where it came from, and how it's affecting our adult life. Yet growing up, We're called to develop our true selves, because in doing that, we're going to be developing our soul. Thank you. We're going to take a quick break. I look forward to to, um, seeing you in a little bit. Thank you. Thank you very much.
3: You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.
0: Okay, hi, welcome back. So again, what we were told or made to believe about ourselves, we came to believe, and it shows up in so many different ways. But our vision is distorted. Our outlook can be distorted. I want to tell you a story. It's called The Chicken and the Eagle. You might have heard it. So there was a chicken Hen house and chicken pen in a man's yard, and he raised chickens. And one day, a baby eagle fell out of its nest and landed in the chicken house. So it was with the chickens, and it watched the chickens, and it learned to scratch the dirt, and it learned to flap its wings, and it learned to... Um, Caw. No, that's a crow. <laughs> I'm not a good storyteller. Um, not a good cook either. I think I said that. Um, but it learned everything that a chicken does while it was in the in the chicken pen. And one day it looked up and it saw this big bird with these big outstretched wings flying. And it said to its little chicken friend, he said, wow, look at that. What is that? Wow. And the chicken said to the baby eagle, that's an eagle. It's a bird of the sky. We're just chickens. We're birds of the earth. And the eagle, eaglet continued to remain a chicken and stay in the chicken pen and never flying. But isn't it interesting that it identified itself in the outer world? You know, when I teach and someone comes up to me and they say, oh, my gosh, Dr. Dow, I love what you said. I can just I love it. And I say, it's because you already have it. You cannot embrace in me, anything that you saw in you, if you don't have it already. And so it is when you don't like someone. So if there are people that you don't like and you choose that you want to say something about them or talk about them, um, it's about you. It's not about them. You can think that they're doing something that is the reason you don't like them, but somewhere along the line, what you don't like them for, either you do it or you saw somebody do it growing up that left a bad taste in your mouth and you didn't like. And that's the truth. But people don't like to hear this at all. But it's the truth. There um, and that's called transference. What we don't like to see in ourselves, we project outward, out here. So always remember that when we're pointing a finger at someone, that the thumb is always pointing back at us. It's always pointing back at ourselves. So there, uh, there was a uh, A master. Who would teach a group of students? And his name was Nasruten. And Nasruten told one of his students that he would be home at four o'clock and they would have a class. So Nasruten went out for the day and the student came to the house and Nasruten wasn't home at four o'clock. So Nasruten obviously made a mistake and he forgot. So the student was so angry, he wrote on Nesruton's gate, you stupid oaf. And he left. So Nesruton came home. And he called his student. And he said, oh, my goodness, I'm so sorry. I forgot. We had a meeting at four o'clock. Please forgive me, but I knew you were here as soon as I noticed that you wrote your name on my gate. (laughs) I love that story. (laughs) It's such a great story. (laughs) Uh, And so it is with us. And so it is with us. And it's part of the fabric of being human, <laughs> you know? Oh my goodness. Think of if everyone really got to grasp this um, and, and took responsibility for themselves what a different world it would be. Oh my goodness, would be so fantastic, you know? Where we don't like, where we make mistakes, we look to project it out on someone else Projection. I don't like the way I'm feeling and I'm going to get rid of it. So I'm going to project it onto you. Have you ever met that somehow when you go into the grocery store and you're feeling good and you run into someone and they just have so much on their heart and they just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk, and talk about it and it's all very negative negative. Um, and you walk away kind of feeling like, ooh, I don't feel so good anymore, right? We all can do it, and we've all received it. So none of us see things the way they are. We see things as we are. And our goal is to go beyond the workings of our mind and elevate our consciousness so that we're not living out out of our subconscious. We're not living life unconsciously, that we are living life more consciously, and that's the only way to ever have the fullness of life. There are no victims. No one can make you feel anything. Whatever is happening out here is just a trigger for what's already happening in here. When we look at this in my group, or when my patient has to look at it, it's very difficult because none of us want to see it. The small mind of the ego worked very, very hard at developing this mechanical self as a way to defend against that which it was made to feel. Doesn't want to feel it, doesn't want to change. It saw this, this is true. I'm going to put this consciousness in a box, put a bow on it, put it on the shelf, and I got this all together. But it doesn't work. It does not work. If I'm driving in my car and I'm feeling angry at the person in front of me who's driving slow, I know that I have something going on. I might not know what it is, but there's something going on in in me that I'm struggling with. Because it has nothing to do with that person driving slow. It has to do with me, that I'm in a rush. And that I'm agitated, that they're not participating in what I think should be in that moment. And we all are called to awaken to what's going on. So that we can take more charge of our lives and have a better life. This is very important when it comes to having relationships, whether it be marriage or, or, or partner of work, any relationship, relationship with one another, my relationship with you. And the more we can do this for ourselves, the more we are able to do it for one another, the more we're patient with ourselves, that. We, I thought I had this muted. (laughs) I was saying, oh my gosh, I'm talking for nothing. Um, The more we're able to forgive ourselves, be patient with ourselves, the more loving embrace in who we are as humans brings us more to divinity and will also open us up to be able to be there more and more for others more and more for others. And by be there, I mean, I'm not talking about caregiving, although you can do that if you want. I'm talking about being able to meet a person where they are. You know, I really never knew how to be with someone who lost a loved one until I had deaths close to me. Um, I never really knew what to say. And when I think about what I did say, You know, when my father died and I thought about in the past what I did say to others, um, it kind of made me feel like, well, I didn't quite do that right. right? Because I didn't have any idea. Mm -hmm. Just like I, I couldn't do this work if I didn't take this journey myself for 40 years. None of us can. None of us can. You know, over time, through consciousness, we come to accept all the many parts of ourselves, and we can take charge of them instead of them taking control of us. So if I'm in a relationship, and we're going to have a segment on relationships, if I'm in a relationship... And um, there is something that is happening that um, I'm not feeling good about. Relationships will touch us in the deepest place for many reasons that we'll look at at some point. But when I'm touched in that place, if I don't have awareness of what's going on I will react to that person. And once something flies out of our mouth and we say it, we can never take it back. And there are many things said outwardly that really affect someone inwardly and can really ruin a relationship. I have a patient that just actually made a mistake and did that. But, We learn how to slow down and choose how we want to be. Choose how to act instead of react from the unconscious wounds that live in us. And this is very difficult material to talk about if you're not in the process. So I apologize for that. I really, you know, with all my heart, I'm hoping that um, I'm making sense to to all of you we're going to take a brief a brief break thank you
3: you're listening to talk radio nyc uplift educate empower
6: are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID 19 related employment laws
0: Hi, welcome back. It feels very warm all of a sudden. Anyway, um, so how do we know, how do we know what's going on in our unconscious, in our subconscious? Pay attention, we need to pay attention to the dialogue in our heads. You know the voice in the back of your head? The one that says what voice? That. That's chattering away. And it'll tell tell us all sorts of things about ourselves. Oh my gosh, you know, mine mine many times says, Oh my gosh, you look awful really? Oh, you really need to do something about that. (laughs) That's my mother's voice. That's my mother's voice. (laughs) I was a ugly duckling. I had a sister seven years older. That was the beautiful one. (laughs) So I've always had that inside of me. And we have all of these type of things inside of me. You know, I have a very, very dear friend who I just, I just adore. And uh, she's a, she's a great spiritual director. And she says, you know, We all think we know, but we're all bozos on the bus. (laughs) And I love that because um, we are. And when we can really laugh at ourselves for being human and making mistakes, um, that's great. I wasn't always able to do that. Believe me. Believe me. Um, But, you know, nothing. We will always look to have things define us. We know then that we're coming from the small minds of the ego. Nothing defines us. Nothing has to define us. We are enough. None of us feel like enough. None of us feel loved enough. We're all the same. None of us feel like enough. None of us feel loved enough. None of us feel worthy enough. And that's all lies. All of it. We're all just fine the way we are. We all have work to do because of what was put into us that we've been looking at from what we were told about ourselves, that the voice in the back of the head of our head will tell us what we were told about ourselves. But again, they're distortions. If they're affecting the way we view life, if there are our if they're affecting our relationships with self, God, and other, then we know that it went on for us pre-talking. If we have a strong reaction to a situation in the outer world that we feel we need to react to, we know that something's going on in us that's pre-talking. We will look to want to blame. We will look to want to have the other person change. We will look to try to have get rid of it that way. But that's not it. It's us. And it's us, not in a way of blame or shame, which is what we had as children, but as ownership. I'm going to own this because I want a better life. And when we look to have a better life, We're not doing this just for ourselves. We want a better life. I want to be better because I want to have you have a better life. I want to treat you better. I want to make a difference in your life. I want to be a better human being for you. I want to learn to love. Not just for me, for for all of us, for you. Mm -hmm. What we don't transform, what we don't become mindful of, awaken to, and transform, we transmit. We transmit. We're looking to put it somewhere. We're looking to get rid of. We're looking to get rid of that which is uncomfortable for us. All right. We all have traits that we don't like. We all do, we're, we're human, right? There are plenty of things that I struggle with, but they don't define me and they don't make, they don't make my life about that. And our attachments, what we're attached to, all of the things we're attached to, what are we making God with the small g, right? Next week I want to go through um, a last piece on this segment of the order of of how we do all of this, what we've looked at in the past couple of weeks, Um, order, disorder, and reorder um, of the universe and of us, Um, the natural flow of things. You know, Thomas Merton, who is a great mystic, I think I mentioned him once before, he spoke of the true and the false self. And we all have a true and false self, which I mentioned before. One comes from God and the other one um, is what we've created to feel loved, to feel right. right? We all want to be right. You know, I know many, many years ago, it feels like a hundred years ago, I did the S training. And that was a very profound experience. It was really something. Um you know, where we were made to feel hurt, where we were really hurt, we, um, if we don't deal with that hurt, we are dragging that around, looking to put that hurt anywhere we can. You know, I think of all the hurt inside of people and, you know, if people hurt one another and hurt animals and it's just all a certain amount of our own self-hate of how we were made to feel about ourselves as children. But we it's our responsibility as adults to wake up, right, and to do better. And unless we do the work, we pass on what was done to us. And that's what our parents did. Very few people knew about this work back then in my generation. That's for sure. I'm 66. Very few people, my parents. I mean, I got my parents to do the S training, but very few people back then. I think you're either a movie star or really mentally ill if you did any type of uh, inner work or treatment. At least that's my experience. Um, Anyway, all right. before we uh, end, I think I have a couple more minutes. I want to tell you one more story. It's called The Two Wolves. So there was a Native American Indian grandfather who was speaking to his two grandchildren. And he said, inside of everyone, inside of all of us, there are two wolves. Really, grandfather? Oh, yes. There are two wolves. And one wolf is kind and loving and sensitive and giving and generous. And the other wolf is mean and angry and jealous and judgmental and selfish. Oh my gosh, Grandfather. In everyone? Yes, in everyone. And there's a fight going on? Yes, children. There's a terrible fight between these two wolves in everyone. Oh, Grandfather, that's terrible. What wolf wins? And the grandfather said to his grandchildren, the one that you continue to feed. So I invite you in the next week, hopefully you're joining me each week. Think about the wolves inside, maybe journal. What what are the wolves doing what what are they telling you about yourself what are you looking to get rid of and which wolf are you feeding which wolf do you feed which wolf are you continuing to feed i don't think anyone desires to feed the big bad wolf But I think unconsciously, we can at times feed that wolf. But my question is, which one do we feed the most? So I invite you, wish I could see you, those of you that are um, listening. And um, again, if you have any questions for me, I would love them. So next week, we're going to look at uh, order, reorder, and disorder, um, and what that means. And we'll just be recapping a little bit. And then the week after, um, I'm going to have uh, Dominic Bensavanga on talking about the men's group and the men's movement in our country. And then um, I'm going to have um, um, some patients of mine uh, talking about their experience Um, One with alcohol, one with another with parenthood, and uh, uh, another with um, mysticism. So um, I'm going to be doing some um, work with the Sermon on the Mount. So let us end with prayer. Oh, great love, thank you for living and loving in us and through us. May all that we do flow from our deep connection with you and all beings Help us become a community that vulnerably shares with others and their burdens in the weight of glory. Listen to our hearts' longings for the healing of our world. Knowing you are hearing us better than we are speaking, we offer these prayers in all the holy names of God. Amen. Amen. And I thank you very much, each and every one of you. God bless. And good night.
1: You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day.
4: Hi, I'm Graham Dobbin. Join me every Thursday evening for the Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. We speak to people from business, sport, military and politics, all around, what makes a great leader—the personal experiences of what's worked and, maybe more importantly, what hasn't worked. So that's seven o'clock every Thursday evening. The mind behind leadership, you on TalkRadioNYC, Listen to real stories of real leaders.
2: Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc.
5: Are you a curious person, always asking questions? Do you desire to be in the know? Then join me, Antonia, host of So Now You Know, thursdays at 5 p.m at talkradio.nyc listen in as i attempt to satisfy that curiosity i will be talking with amazing everyday people join the fun so now you know on thursdays at 5 p.m at talkradio.nyc
3: listeners looking to boost your business why not advertise on Talk Radio NYC with very reasonable rates interested simply send us a message on our website talkradio.nyc
6: are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws hello i'm eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show employment law today on my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on TalkRadio.nyc.